And if we do not have solidarity on this issue, then that's it. I don't know what else to say. This is the issue. This is the time. It is happening now. We better walk into this together. And I, again, I don't care if you're double jabbed, if you're wearing the mask, whatever. Take whatever responsibility you want for your health and do whatever you want with your body that you think is medically necessary. Do not come. Do not come. Shame on you, Trump. Seriously, maybe you're not that right. Maybe Trump's actually a dumbass. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily oh, on no, covet means for expanding its spirit influence. War is a racket. Nobody has ever complied their way out of totalitarianism. Whole segments of the society then, because they're not needed for labor within that profit model, become expendable. So the end point of capital accumulation under an industrial model, if it's not ended, only has one path, and that path is genocide. It. Ace. Pine. Pirate. Radio. Oh, uh, let's introduce ourselves, I suppose. Uh, we're three guys who are just decently well-read on the things that we want to talk about. We're still normal people. We'll have normal opinions of stuff. We're not in, in any type of government or, you know, white-collar, blue-collar who are trying to figure this shit out. Yeah, the, the one advantage we have is maybe a slightly longer memory than most people do. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's literally it. And that's that's the shocking part to me. One of the basis, like the basis for like our worldview, though, is I think we're definitely like anti-establishment. Yeah. Or at, at the very least, uh, <laughs> skeptical. Skep- uh, we are narrative skeptical. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And I think that in general, um, we're going to be delivering news from that perspective. Like at, yeah. at the very least, we're never going to just take the uh spoon-fed narrative it's like we we grew up through the iraq war we we grew up like post 9-11 like all the lies that led to where we are where, where we're sitting now and and we grew up through the, things like the matrix not the new one that might come up eventually but the matrix being a, a in, in a lot of um like metal um like in music and uh, other very anti like like anti-establishment um, sort of uh, media hits. tropes like yeah. Peter Vendetta, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. philosophical mm-hmm. like deep philosophical movies we all have a passion for. Mm-hmm. Back when art used to mean something. Yeah. Uh, my name is Seth. I currently work as a computer engineer. I don't really 100% enjoy it, but it's my work, and I feel very passionately about technology and where technology is going. And uh, I think most of my topics are going to be centered around that. And I do also uh, detest. Uh, human slavery, human trafficking as like the world's worst sin. So <laughs> I'm also going to touch on that. My name's Cash. I'm going to go by Cash on the show anyways. I'm my, my job is a little less concrete. I work for an engineering firm, but I do kind of all sorts of different things, pretty much all computer or construction related. Um, I do have a passion for the critical thinking in my job that I get to do and the problem solving that I get to do and kind of similar to Seth about uh, just a passion for technology but uh, I also I also really impose some strict moral limits on what what is okay to me in technology and how it gets applied Um, and so the perspective I'm going to bring is hopefully a little just more general um, general philosophical but there'll be touches of all sorts of different things in there all right my name's Fort I um, 
I work in the medical field, so that that experience will uh, come up multiple times throughout this podcast, I assure you. I think out of all of us, I have taken probably an interest in politics and history probably to the nth degree. I have had a long-held interest in um, like conspiracy topics, anti- anti-establishment topics. Um, basically, if it's, <laughs> if it's not mainstream, I'm at least interested in it. It doesn't mean I, I um, lend it credence, but I at least will give it a fair hearing. In terms of my politics, I would say I'm like a, I'm a, like a social libertarian. Like I believe that basically people should have the right to do as they as they want if they're not hurting anyone. And and I believe that uh, coercion by government is probably the most evil thing, but coercion by anyone rather, but certainly by government. So that obviously brings up some uh, rather strong passions in me um, in regards to like the COVID nineteen outbreak that we're going through and it's it's been a mess it's been a mess people that's all i can say it's been terrible i think well do you want to do top do you want to introduce topics i think i think uh it's probably fair to say that if if not every week until the pandemic's over there will probably be at least one topic it'll be just like when donald trump was president where every everything everyone ever did the, the name trump came up at some point in the conversation, it still does. Well, <laughs> absolutely. Depending, on I which, got uh, nothing left to talk about. Depending, yeah, depending on which news you look at. Uh, but uh, I think to that point, COVID has. Uh, if 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 it's done one thing, it's uh, it's got everyone. It's on everyone's mind, and until it's gone, I think it'll come up, just like everywhere else. Well, it's it's also like the setting for like literally everything now. It's it's been the it's the game changer. It's the mm-hmm. it's the uh, the narrative shift. You know, like for like the previous 10 years, it was the war on terror and now it's COVID. I mean, and I think it now it's the war. It was, I think if like the focus on the war on terror was like external security, you know, and like clamping down like people's movement, I think now it's about biosecurity and, and I get, I, and it's basically the government asserting ownership over your body and your bodily autonomy. And I cannot overstate how dangerous that is yeah a lot of people forget that the government is supposed to serve us and it's not serving us by taking away rights and forcing people to take medical procedures oh i have some thoughts In well, fact, well I let's have, get into I it have three pages you've got your wonder, yeah. you've Great. got them you all typed up let's go. <laughs> so what i did today because i had nothing better to do was uh I, I i started really allowing myself to philosophically dive into um, some thoughts on social control. The big one that's kind of um, that like kind of started my day off was uh, I, had, you know, like I think a lot of people heard uh, sort of the talk of the metaverse and and what Facebook for the, the company formerly known as Facebook uh, was sort of starting to get into. And uh, so I started diving a little bit into that and it that combined with a lot of things like vaccine mandates and a lot of other control mechanisms that are coming around and changing. Um, it just prompted me to start doing this deep dive in my head and writing it all down and coming up with it, turning it into an actual kind of theory. So I'm going to, I'm going to put together a fairly rigid, um, uh, uh, thought experiment for you all. Okay. Uh, so for context, this is written very narratively. So I'm just going to read, uh, in the world of metaverse, Amazon, Google, and Tesla, certain private companies have access to an unprecedented enormity of wealth. The arrival of globally impactful events such as SARS-CoV-2 demonstrate that no good disaster will go wasted by these companies. 
and they continue to grow and use this wealth to increase their overall influence, prevent or remove political blockades, and to further develop their business systems and infrastructure. Beyond the traditional capitalistic, aka profit-driven motivation, the question is, as it often is for me, why? Please allow me to present the social ownership hypothesis. Uh, the hypothesis has four tenets, each of which can be true independently or in sequence. Tenant one is that the evolved human desire for socialization is a primary motivation for interaction. Number two is that repeated interaction cultivates dependence. Number three is that dependence is the best leverage for control. And number four is control is a requirement for true ownership. So I have some definitions for that in the paper, but I'll get into more of the, the narrative that ties it all together. So if the primary goal for these companies seems to be a covert transfer of ownership from the ability to socialize from an individual to themselves, if the ownership of socialization is the goal, one large hurdle standing in the way of that goal is the earth and a human's ability to explore and inhabit it. If people are able to physically travel to places either known or new, they have the ability to socialize as humans have traditionally, and change would be difficult. Enter then onto the world stage, SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2, aka COVID-19, has pushed many parts of the world to depend on digital methods for socialization. For many people, especially those more familiar with traditional means of socialization, that shift to digital interaction would not have occurred without an additional incentive such as fear of an intangible and ever-present threat to human survival. This then furthered the, further accelerated the process of widening the interactive user base of these digital socialization environments. Think Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I even think the Amazon marketplace is getting on the line of like social network mm -hmm. um but but think think of those specific like examples this dramatic increase in user base uh, combined with other emotional neuromarketing manipulations and access to access to hardware across all ages and classes has led to the highest level of user engagement ever recorded this extends not to not only to citizens but to all humans some evidence for the validity of this shift comes in the form of politicians, federal agencies, law enforcement, and even affluent millionaires' increased use of these platforms to try and gain public support of their goals. The tacit acceptance of the abilities of these environments for socializations by governments and others will continue to further grow users and engagement. This overall increase in interaction will promote a dependence, which is tenant two, on these environments as the scales tip in favor of digital platforms and people have fewer alternatives. Mm -hmm. This dependence will allow control, which is tenant three, over, the, over more systems required for a functioning country and society. And this control will put the ownership of entire populations and governments into the hands of private companies who can leverage that dependence. Yeah, I mean, that's, yes. And that's the, that could have been written at the World Economic What a Forum. beautiful essay, seriously. Oh, thank you. Uh, I have I have more narrative on it, but the I think I think that that starts to get at the sort of the heart of the issue that I was trying to get at, and what was bothering me the most in my head about it was I think we all know like con information control is really important, but that's kind of been true ever since the dawn of media. Yeah. What's What's interesting to me is that this this seems to, there seems to be a push for something more than just control, and that's where I go with like this. It must be this this full on like ownership mentality that these companies want to have over everything uh, it, it's not the way they do it is by manipulating human it's called full spectrum dominance and mm -hmm. it was something that was uh, talked about in like the pentagon um around the turn of the last century you know around 2000 even like in policy circles before that and the idea is to very much what you were saying is to capitalize on literally everything in order to monopolize people's basically 
you know, like with the advent of all these social media technologies, attention is the new commodity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. so entertainment just seems to be everything now. And mm-hmm. so that it be, and because of that, it becomes ever more important to establish narrative control. And the way to maintain narrative control is to try to control as much of the variables as possible. Yeah. So that means mm-hmm. literally everything in everyday life, everything you encounter, must be controlled in a top-down fashion. Yeah. So I mean. I guess this is where we're hitting peak human um, socialization because we're at such a point now where we no longer really have to fight for food or shelter or water. Uh, I mean, a normal American citizen doesn't have to do that. And so therefore, we're just focused on how to entertain ourselves without our job pursuits. I agree that that is um, definitely like, a, especially in like the Western world is like a larger part of our everyday experience but we do have to remember that there are three billion people that don't live like we live oh certainly yeah you know and that in order for us to even have this level of subsistence this level of technology that we have it requires the exploitation and Mm. outright slavery of three billion people absolutely and so like everything i mean you can argue in like a larger context that everything like our entire way of existence is built on a lie well yeah it's, it's really interesting because the per like the, the transfer of ownership which is where i started but the part i didn't mention what what got me to be able to sort of write that thing was looking at um something like the the metaverse in particular through the lens of, of video games of all media and i started by writing down sort of when i remember when i first started playing video games it was you would pay 30 dollars for the game and everything on the game was yours and you could give that away you could save you could go back to it 10 years later as long, you owned the thing right well ownership well this is why you know i see like libertarianism like at least libertarian economics as being so subversive because you're absolutely right mm. that ownership is so dangerous this mm. idea you know like especially pervasive ownership which is why you see it getting rolled back mm-hmm. or rather erased I mean, well yeah they're, they're, can well, you they're, even own a digital own. product now you license no it. i talk about that I, yeah, I, you're buying a license right. yeah exactly in my in my write-up prior to this or the first the first draft of this i guess uh yeah i was talking about like like the what was uh the on you used to buy the disc and the game was on the disc and you got that and you could trade your time and effort for all of the content on the disc right um and then you know experience a story usually story or but like i'm thinking even like um like some of the more classic like beat like beat arcade mode yeah like for without dying three times and you unlock a new like character or whatever and fun yeah but you could everything that all all of the media on that disc was available to you in exchange for one one sum and then you know playstation 3 comes around and it starts talking about uh it 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 kept that PS3 was most of that, but then it was, um, uh, they did on disc DLC and also actual DLC, which, um, for anyone who doesn't know, DLC stands for downloadable content. And that's basically content you get after, mm-hmm. um, the, the first origin, I had to look it up. The first or like first known case of DLC that was widely known that most people will hear of would be the horse armor for, for, uh, elder scrolls four. Uh, they, I remember, I do remember cause it was a big story. It's not the first ever record example, but elder scrolls four came out and, then they were like, well, you know, for, I think, I don't remember what the cost was, but you could buy this horse armor. But anyways, long story short, you get to today, to, to Fort's point about you, you buy, you trade money for a digital license and 
and that's assuming you actually get everything in that license. A lot of times it's actually more you trade money for a digital subscription, mm-hmm. license to a subscription. And then on top of that, you also get to spend two, three, four, five dollars a whack to get the blue gun or ten dollars to get the gold gun. <laughs> and right. There's and then when you're done, when the so when the server shut down for that game, that's it. It's gone. Right. You just traded your time and money for literally nothing. Right. And it's to the point where licenses are now offering too much freedom so now you're like you like you were pointing out is that like now you're trading but you're not even licensing no, it you're no you're buying time you're buying you're buying it's like a timeshare in a video game and then yeah. when when that yeah, all goes digital timeshare yeah absolutely which which is even scarier than actual timeshare which is a big enough ripoff as it is i mean that's as close to a nightmare as possible so, so yeah. yeah are you happy with owning nothing uh no not yet um but that no my my big thing is rebelling against that which is why i'm big into like buying tools and doing things that are physical i'm, I'm oh yeah absolutely. i'm actively i'm actively falling a little bit out of that due to the due to the trajectory of the you it's, know it's very distributist they're mm-hmm. all about owning the means of production like mm-hmm. and well, workers owning their tools you know it's, well, a, it's to your, a big thing to your point though about the the reason uh to circle back around to to the uh, to that is the reason we're able to have that luxury is very specifically because uh there someone still has to make the computer someone still has to make the stuff and and so let's 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 take the metaverse to the logical conclusion of you know uh we get it everyone get everyone's involved in the metaverse and then what people just wake up and go to work Right. And come home and then go to the metaverse. People wake up, go to work to make the computers or manage the metaverse system and then come home. And then like, like there are still people that have to uh, pump the gas and make the food and, and cut the crops. And like, like that still has to happen. Right. I mean, automation is a fucking myth. It really is. I mean, I mean, you can never completely eliminate the need for human labor ever. Like yeah. at, at least at some basic fun- someone has to be maintaining something. You know, yeah, at the very least, human guidance, like, because my thought was like, okay, even with like a three D printer, where you don't need to have necessarily a a skill to uh, print that, like you could, I guess what I'm saying, you do nowadays, but you could get it in theory to a point where you could just select from a list of things, and the printer would make it for you, and that's it. You don't need to have a skill to make the thing. You just do that, then then you can kind of approach. Like what they're trying to do with self-checkouts at supermarkets. Or even like NFTs. Uh, like I imagine that type of stuff is actually lending itself more to NFTs than what NFTs are now. Hmm. Where you could buy like a, a model and that's your model now and you can print that off in your printer. Mm-hmm. Only you have that model. But whoop do doo Yeah. Like well, what does it matter? Okay, so now you own a picture of a monkey with sunglasses. <laughs> but that's your picture of a monkey with sunglasses and yeah. no one else can touch it. Yeah, which Who is why I'm cares? saying the idea of that's well, just dumb. I think it's interesting because the metaverse actually I was looking as I was looking more into it, the the worse the worse it, it the, the less uh evidence it gives itself for me to support it. Yeah. Uh but it does it requires a crypto wallet. Like like part of it is is requiring a digital currency for you to sort of take part in it and and so what they want with those NFTs I think is they want when everyone's digital and anyone can have anything they want because they don't actually have to but make it or buy it. But you can take everything away. Yeah. Well, so if right. if everything is digital, all there's also what no... people forget is that they've created the platforms, mm-hmm. they've created all of the operating systems, all of the infrastructure that this is based on. They have the means to take 
all of that away, mm-hmm. all of it, which is why it's more important to build physical things in the physical world because they're harder. They have to actually come and confiscate them. They actually have to expend resources to do that. If you own everything and it's just pixels and bits, they yeah. all they have to do is turn off a switch. That's it. Yeah. It's done. Like yeah. I mean, I know that's a little simplistic, but no, well, that's the dependency thing. That's literally tenant, uh, tenant, tenant four or three in my in my thesis my hypothesis is that dependence is the best leverage for control but more more the way i see it and specifically regards to things like nfts there's no other way to develop a class-based system in a digital world because everyone's equal yeah if the body and the brain are involved so how else do you have an upper class in a digital universe without some sort of right identifiable class signifier intense stratification right Mm -hmm. like they have to like they it's it's almost worse like it's a you know like they're they're calling it neo-feudalism right like so this idea that like we're going back until like it's almost like we're we're dipping back into the days where like kings were justified by like divine blood right and things like that you know and and that's and that's really, I mean, if you listen to, like, the World Economic Forum crowd and, like, the Davos set and all these people, these transatlanticist, you know, bankers and people like that, I mean, they you hear them talk about people under, you know, like, the regular people. I mean, they very clearly have this aristocratic mindset. Oh, I they, think our, even our own government does that for our, our own people. Well, many of the people in our government belong to that social class, so it's no mistake. Well, and, and so what I think is interesting is that in the one of the points I was trying to get at in that specifically is that um, I, I think for a long time we took it for granted as, as politicians are just sort of above all of this social media crap, but now, even more so than ever, we're actually finding out that they're dependent on those social uh, uh, digital socialization platforms to get the support that they need in a, in it's a bit of a honey trap yeah. yeah well you want to talk about audience capture they're captured by the american public which is which is which is on these digital socialization platforms these these social medias and what's funny is that uh what's going to stop someone you know like like a zuckerberg or whatever being like all right biden if you don't give me if you don't fucking give me the thing that i want in regards to I don't know. Let's say uh, you don't you don't make it so that way no one else can have a VR system like we can. Then I'm gonna kick you off Facebook, and there goes your I mean, your one avenue. What are you gonna do? Press releases? No one watches company, the news. They could do whatever they want. Yeah. yeah. Oh my fucking god. Yeah. Get out of here with that like, line of like, reasoning. Like it, it's 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 at the a point. A private where... company that was literally established with taxpayer money. Like literally, like all the technology, all of that was was yeah. was taxpayer research out yeah. of DoD. <clears throat> Shut the fuck up. Not to mention, uh, you want to why it was all funded that way so that way it could be infiltrated because the intelligence agencies are now the one. That's their leverage. Well, exactly. one one form yeah. of leverage on politicians. It yeah. used to be yeah, you made them you know text risky things to an underage girl, and now it's like no, now we'll just take you off the platform. Right. Well, that's what they did with Trump. That's mm-hmm. how they you know that's how they've kind of put him on a leash mm-hmm. is access to this this way of you know uh, basically they're blocking his access to his audience or you know in a substantial way i mean he's found workarounds but well the shift isn't complete yet either the covid covid was uh, in my opinion a really one if this isn't the intention though i think part of it might have something to do with it but an, uh, if nothing else an unintended consequence is that what the a much larger swath of people are on digital platforms that they never would have been on no one in my company would have learned how the hell to use Zoom. Oh, for sure. No one would have cared about any of that 
prior to COVID, but now they, now they've all been doing it for a year, if not a little longer, they're starting to get comfortable. Oh, digital media is just the way you do it. Digital, these social mm-hmm. these digital platforms are where we do our business now. They're all like, acculturated to this. This mm-hmm. isn't a mistake. I mean, it's not a mistake that Bill Gates is like the the driving force behind this. You know, the man that created you know Microsoft, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, people forget. You know, you know, he's not a doctor. People, he's not like a health policy scholar. Just a guy with money. He's just a dude with money, whose dad used to run Planned Parenthood <laughs> and yeah. was a eugenicist. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I think that this is a big a big step in that direction. So. And his mom was on the board of IBM. <laughs> I think and I made think, his career, but think, you know. I think that that's a, a an he important thing. He lifted himself up <laughs> with his parents' bootstraps. His parents lifted him up with their bootstraps and also his bootstraps <laughs> that they also gave him. I wish he would hang himself by his bootstraps. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, COVID hasn't gone yet. So we were talking about automation, and it reminded me of a tweet that I saw on uh, Twitter. It's by uh, this guy named M. Maboof, who is a great follow. He's a communist, but he has great takes. So, so this is what it says. He says, I don't know really how Amazon works internally, but the bits of the supply chain I've seen from the inside are 20-plus-year-old legacy systems, which still require clerks and call centers to push a button to make things work. Automation, at its current state, is a fantasy. Lots of inventory or fulfillment systems that still require a DevOps engineer to upload a spreadsheet from time to time in order to make it go. It's a fallacy to think that you can build any kind of perpetual motion machine that doesn't require human labor, but combined with profit motive and corporate mediocrity, it's a joke. So basically what he's saying is that this idea of automation is like believing, he equates it to a perpetual motion machine, which is like, as we know, physically impossible. Yeah. They still they still haven't figured out how to make the warehouses tornado proof yet. So <laughs> yeah. they, they, oh they, they got a long God. ways to go for poor automation. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting because on that point, it's it's uh, it's death training. It's it's Hideo Kojima. It's uh, like the that game was talking about the way the way you get to sort of this um, society that kind of runs itself, or one of the ways you get to a society that kind of runs itself, um, is literally uh, kind of the trading of time for right for for it you're in that in that game they talk about the ability to compute things essentially outside of time so you can just make make or whatever you need instantly to you it feels instant but you're actually taking time essentially from the from somewhere else to do it and that's literally what causes sort of the the fracturing what they call the death stranding where the the gateway between life and death literally just opens up back to like it just gets melted essentially and and so, but, but to that point, like you, I, I say this to, to people that I work with all the time, you can't cheat physics. Like, no. like you can, you can move faster and you can get better, but you will eventually hit a point where you can't go and you can't go any faster and get any better, or you can't, um, it, there is no just do this better option. Well, that's where like, like the aspects of this, of this ideology, I mean, like the, it approaches religion. It's like, it's a religious fervor that like somehow we can. I don't know, make humans like a null set like that, like it, the way they, the way they see it is, it's like, it's like we want to define ourselves out of existence. It's the strangest impulse I've ever seen. It's like suicidal. I don't know. It's like some Nietzschean bullshit. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if if it's so much out of existence. I'm more along the line to bring the matrix again. They want to turn us into cash batteries. They want us to just somehow get money and then go into the virtual world and give them that money. But the to me, the weak link in the chain is remembering, like I was saying, is like if people are just all they want to do is spend their time in the metaverse, if they do their business in the metaverse, they buy their stuff in the metaverse, how do they generate money to give that system? Well, I mean, 
I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, money is what they say it is, right? I mean, right. So that's what, so it has to be something more than just a capitalistic endeavor because they already basically have access to essentially infinite wealth. So what? Yeah, what who's going to be it? designing? Well, it's about power, you know. Well, yeah, it's, but I think more it's it's power, but it's more it's like it's it is it's like an ownership. Of, but it's also like this weird religious thing too, like well, domination that, right. too. Yeah, it's and, almost like and in the metaverse, you're not going to own anything. I think that's another method of control too. You're in that place. Everything you do, like I mean, we have phones and shit that records most of our movements. Uh, God knows our our voices sometimes and of course they frame it in terms of freedom yeah and so you're going to be in this metaverse you can have all the freedom in the world except for every single thing you do in there is going to be recorded and tallied and then it's, potentially weaponized against you at yeah. a later date all right that's what it's there well, it's you there. said vinegar with with a little bit too much spacing between the v <laughs> oh you're gonna get canceled now well there was the it's their ownership of you it's not your ownership of them but that's what i mean like there has to there has to be something more and i and i think that that's kind of what you're getting at and i that's where i would would get to but i didn't finish that part of it is um it is it's a it's a it's an it's a it's a demagoguery it's a it's an ideological something that's more than just money and ownership because they well more than just money and control because they have that it's like they're they're genuinely seeking an ownership of of humanity Mm -hmm. and they're doing it um through very specifically our evolved need for socialization yeah so that 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 question is always what bring me back to the why like why yeah okay money but it has to be something more than that in this case especially i mean regulatory capture things like that controlling the courts controlling the political process that's all old hat i mean we're talking about cognitive capture we're talking about but but cognitive capture isn't just you know oh, well, your opinion on this or that. I mean, it's literally the ability to mold your entire conceptual framework. Oh, yeah. So I, so I didn't uh, say it, but I do, define, I do define my terms. Which is why this, uh, like, well, like guess... a, so many people dismiss out of hand, like, um, like government mind control programs like MKUltra. Mm-hmm. Look what's happening right now. You yeah. don't think there's a precursor to this? Okay. You don't think there's some baseline of, uh, research that has gone into this? Of course there is. If you, if you change out the word conceptual framework with the matrix, right? Cash's point. Mm-hmm. Well, well. So if control, the way I define it in this is the ability to determine the behavior, or the ability. That sounds weird. I got to rewrite that. The ability to determine the behavior, ability, and or existence of someone or something. Mm-hmm. And then ownership is the state or fact of exclusive control over something. Yep. Then, then what? Then, then if if ownership is the goal, then what? What? Where does where does exclusive control over humanity go? Like, what is what is what ends up happening other than I don't know. Like that, at least in the Matrix, the machine AIs are doing this very specifically for their own self-preservation. But they, but they almost have an understandable reason. Yeah, that's what they have a motive. Yeah, what's this motive other than? Well, I'm telling you, it's ideological to the point verging on religious. Like there, there is a subset of the ruling class that genuinely believes that they are the inheritance. I mean, they are the inheritors of some sort of like lost legacy like like, they they, they're the kings of old they're the you know and if they're not directly related to them they're uh they're like you know genetic 
kinship. You know, they have some sort of genetic kinship with these people. Do you, you think know? this is the result of giving participation trophies to millionaires kids? Because like, because like they, you know, when it's, you're uh, when Waldorf you're, schools, that's what I blame yeah. Waldorf schools. Like, like when you're when you're like from a millionaire class and your parents are like hard on you and they're like, nah, like we're only gonna give you like a hundred thousand. You know, you got to figure it out from there. Uh, you still th- those there's still some like actual development of working ethic and trading and, and making smart decisions whereas like uh, if you just are literally handed everything but then you're also handed a trust for like essentially infinite money you're gonna ha- you're gonna stop you're not gonna have that faith in your own ability you're gonna be like thinking it's something else and maybe it's like yes my job is to inherit the earth and everything on it and then also I have billions and billions of dollars to have other people do that for me. But literally, yeah. yes, that's exactly what yeah. happened. It, yeah. I mean, if I'm going to attack this from a spiritual perspective, it does seem like that these people are like trying to. So like humanity's, you know, always warred with itself and it's easy to take advantage of that and make the lessers war with themselves while you take the reins and steer humanity in whatever direction you feel as though is going to be fit. But like, What's the end goal here if we have infighting uh, below us? Well, I mean, I think that's a – I mean, I don't think they really care whether we kill each other or not. Like, so, like, you have to take – you have to think about it, like – so, like, we come at it from a perspective of people, you know, we're in the middle to lower middle class. Like, we, um, you know – Maybe we'll get something from our parents. Maybe we won't, you know. um, But we're able to, like, you know, get a job, you know, get a house or get somewhere to live and, you know, and basically have some amenities. But these people, like, in terms, like, but, you know, we have enough resources to live and maybe have, like, a little extra to, like, have some free time to, like, buy microphones to do a podcast and things like that. Not with inflation. You know, not with inflation. (laughs) It's getting harder. But, like, but, like, you have to understand, can you imagine – being like a like a Rothschild who has like you couldn't I mean you don't you don't have to you know like so for us like you know oh geez we uh I have to fork up four hundred dollars to afford these microphones right like uh, you know and that's like a that's like a thing on my mind they could just buy a microphone company they could just they could not only could they just buy a microphone company they could they could hire a team of researchers to come up with a better microphone specifically suited to them they have unlimited in terms of like physical resources yeah. i mean and think of like how that would affect your perspective no, and definitely. and like and how you would have i mean and so like this idea this like attack on the idea of conspiracy like that's how they live it's their way of life it's their culture i mean they have to think in these terms i mean why wouldn't they yeah i remember you brought this up at one point it did it did offer a very unique perspective because what would any of us do if we were born with limitless resources what would we focus on? Would be like well, I mean, and I think you see like a like a you know runs the gamut in the million in the billionaire and millionaire classes, right? Like so, there are people who don't give a fuck about like power, and, and they go off and they do weird things. Like I don't know, they're like you know, they start a fashion magazine or they find things that they care about. But there are going to be a certain subset of the ruling class that like cares about things like you know, like so for instance, like. So it may it may even start like, well, how do I help the poor, you know? And then they go and they and they have their own pet theory. But then, oh, 
you know, darned old democracy gets in the way. Yeah. But you have unlimited resources, so you can just pay people to make that go away. And eventually, over time, you get you homeless know, people in Los Angeles. You get homeless people in Los Angeles, <laughs> and, the, and they change the law so that uh, anything under what is it like ninety one hundred dollars is not is not a felony. Oh. Like if you, <laughs> no nine hundred dollars. Yeah. Anything under oh, yeah. nine hundred dollars. That's when is, people are just stealing shit yes. for Christmas. Yeah. Um, well, I think either that that gets to it. I think there's a little, there's got to be a little bit something more to it. And I think the big was a lot of them think that they're helping, so they hire a microphone company, some group of engineers to develop a microphone. Like they're like, oh yes, I'm providing jobs, and they're looking at it like, um, like like I think along that perspective because I don't think they're just sitting there going like, mm, yes, this is all for me. Mm. Some of them are it, well, for sure, yeah, but and we know that in, they are in the same way that there are some that are actually pursuing their own pursuit like i'm gonna start a fashion magazine or whatever there are some that do that but i think i think a bigger thing is that yeah no i'm not disregard like specifically elon musk in this scenario because he's clearly got a an effing agenda of of transcending humanity don't get me started yeah uh but like i'm thinking more in general along the lines of like um at some point not current bill gates but like maybe 15 years ago bill gates where a lot of that money was getting thrown back into markets and thrown into development of things that were that were more genuine than they are today, whereas now it's like there's a very clear agenda. So, so in your conception, you think there was a time when Bill Gates meant well? Um, but not so, not in the overarching scheme of things. I guess what I mean is that the so they have these essentially unlimited funds or, or pools of funds to draw from. Uh, kind of like what South was saying about if you if you gave any one of us infinite money and said go do something with it, hmm. I think from our perspective it'd be like okay i'm just gonna give money like I'll buy, i'm gonna buy everything i want i'm gonna buy everything like the people around me want and then what i'm just gonna give money to people because like i don't know what else to do with this or i'm gonna try and like build something but i don't have like the ability to that myself so now i gotta find someone who's gonna find other people to build the thing or design the thing right and maybe we get to a similar role but i think uh i think their perspective is like well we need to give uh i need to do something with this money it needs to turn into more money or at the very least look like it's turning into more money. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do this thing. And then somewhere along the lines, they discover something else that either can be done with that thing or a new technological advancement. And then they start going on the larger scheme of like, Oh, we can control humanity with this thing. Well, I agree. I just, I just don't think like, I think by the time Bill Gates came along, that agenda had already been well underway for over a, almost a hundred years, you know, like, and that goes back to the long-term planning aspect of people. Like when, when you don't have to worry about where your food's coming from, you have the ability to, to you know, you can literally just set up a think tank in, and, and hire people to, to strategize in terms of 100, 200, 300 years. They do that. We know they do that. You know? I guess what it means, like, I have a hard time thinking that someone would have dreamt up Mark Zuckerberg in the 1920s. Oh, I don't think they literally, I don't think there was <laughs> like, someone. In, I guess what I mean, I guess what uh, it means, like, like Facebook That's, like, Facebook super reductive. Partic- like, like, I don't... Facebook in particular, like, because the, the idea of social. Well, that came out of, like, a Pentagon program. There was this idea that it was called LifeLog. And it was this, and it was this idea to have a digital information system that had the likes, dislikes, basically everything about every individual on the planet. Yeah, well, I mean, and, if you build the infrastructure, they will come. Right. Those and types s- of Zuckerberg. So people. that program ended, and I can't remember the exact date, but that program ended. And then very shortly afterward, uh, Facebook was created as a company, mm-hmm. you know? And we know that Facebook, um, like some of the seed money for Facebook came from InQtel, which is the investment arm of the CIA. Mm-hmm. This is... 
this this is well known. This is established fact by now. You know. Yeah, that's what, so is Mark, the, was the, Mark Zuckerberg like fucking bred in a laboratory? Although I mean, that could be a separate situation. He might have been, but like, like was he in all? Pro- no, he was like he was in the right place at the right time. He's a functionary. He's a tool. But so if it wasn't Mark Zuckerberg, it would have been someone else. Yeah, I think he's being used by the people who can actually have that type of like like thinking, and that's what I mean. Like it's a, uh, like I think that there it started with to what Seth was saying about infrastructure. Um, it started with like they built the infrastructure for a, essentially a knowledge base, a logbook of people, their interests, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. What Facebook really started to do was turn that into um, a replacement for physical mm-hmm. socialization. Yeah, and and that's what I mean. Like I think that that was more of a discovery than a hey, by the way, we're going to get everyone online. And they thought of that at in the year two thousand. Um. I don't know. I mean, you read some of like the um, the techno futurists, like Alvin Toffler was talking about this in the eighties, like the ability, like oh, the, the, if you get to that point, I think the actual getting there though is what I mean. Like, like the like without something like COVID, it would have been another fifty years before there was a real full launch. It would have taken two or three more generations to really shift to have everyone from fucking sorry from womb to right death, well, and I think on that's, their smartphone. And I'm not saying it was a. Uh, it was completely constructed from top to bottom, but I think that's. But knowing that, right? Mm-hmm. Like knowing oh. how how much it's advanced their goals. I mean, I don't think it's a silly thing to consider that it may have been in some way orchestrated. What's, yeah, what's scary though is that at least if the CIA and FBI are doing it, and other other agencies, like there's at least it's supposed to be in service to. At, I would say on the face of it, it's supposed to be in service to the state, but reality is in service to themselves. When an individual is doing it. It no, it becomes it becomes an, an a, a a religious a faith based we're going I'm going to inherit the earth type of mentality yeah and that's what that's what is like at some point even the intelligence agencies are going to realize like ah shoot it got too big and now we can't control it yeah well uh, Fort you brought up the other day uh, about an app that spies use yeah well I was talking about Tor yeah so that that reminds me of this conversation now because so like with Tor. They were like, oh, only spies are using Tor. We need to get everyone using Tor. Mm-hmm. It makes me kind of think about just like the inception of the internet. Oh, just the governments are using the internet? Why don't we make it everyone use the internet? And then everyone will want it to be better. And then it'll be better for us too. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, I mean, think about where the internet came from. It came out of uh, a defense department program called ARPANET. I mean, and it was, and it was originally just supposed to be like basically a communications methods between like nuclear silos, you know, so that, you know, and then it it grew from that, right? But you know, and there were very much people at that time, systems engineers, um, social theorists, that were theorizing about n- mm-hmm. basically neural nets, right? Like that's what they that's you know the language that they were using. It's obviously not literally a neural net. It's an electronic, you know, it's a. It's a representation of one, right? You yeah. Know, you know, that eventually just spreads across the world. And then Elon I mean, Musk shows up with Neuralink, and it, th- there's no longer a human interface. It's just your brain. Yeah. And But you're absolutely right. I mean, like, so we're talking about Facebook and social media as a honeypot. Mm-hmm. The internet itself is a honeypot, the entire thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to – I mean, well, I understand well, that sounds paranoid. But if you look at the history of it, I mean, Yasha Levine wrote this book called Surveillance – I think it's called Surveillance Valley – um, basically about the hidden, like this, like the the intelligence ties in the in the history of the development of Silicon Valley. I mean, this is all established fact. 
I mean, you can, we can probably quibble about the interpretation, but the fact that it happened, you can't even argue about. I mean, it's true. Yeah. I think, I think it's interesting though. Cause it's like, um, it's sort of, it's the, the digital metaphor or the digital, uh, continuation of like the United States highway system mm. where, um, like, well, I mean, that was used for military, right? Well, well that's the entire reason yeah. it was built. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's, that's, that's it. That was the entire yeah. reason it was built. It was, it's a channel that for, if you, if you substitute vehicles or, uh, or cargo for information, the internet is essentially or the road system as a whole, but specifically the interstate highway system is a metaphor for that. Um, instead of transporting, like I said, cargo and vehicles and people, it transports information. And that's really all the internet at its fundamental is, is just connection and, and networks of connections. Yeah. And people forget that it's infrastructure. They really yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. I guess you're getting into a macro micro thing then. Mm-hmm. It's just Isn't it interesting I, though? Everything just scales upward and well, backward. And we talk right. about the natu- the the highway system, the the national highway system. I mean, that was inspired by Hitler's Autobahn in Nazi Germany, you know, as a construction project. So Eisenhower was over there and he saw he's like, "Oh man, these Nazis and they they're kind of sick, but man, can they build a road? They can pave like, some like, streets." You know, like and you know and you know and you know, it, it kind of goes against, you know, what we're taught in school, you know, in terms of like, you know, like, you know, ooh, you know, the U.S. is like super anti-Nazi. We weren't. We weren't at all. Oh, yeah. I mean, in fact, I mean, like the beginnings of Nazi ideology, I mean, eugenics, which is like the basis of Nazi, like, you know, like the race hygiene policies in Nazi Germany. I mean, that came from the United States. That was developed here. Yeah. Well, I mean, a good thing. Our first podcast is a good one to bring up too. one of my favorite quotes uh that the Nazis didn't lose the Second World War; they just switched sides. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and and I mean, and I might even quibble with that a little bit. I mean, they certainly didn't lose, and I don't even. I mean, I just think they became their own side. I mean, if you look at the research of Dave Emery, which I'm sure I don't think either of you are. Or they won, with, or but, we joined them, and then they won. Yeah, or yeah, or they somehow <laughs> subsumed us. Yeah. I mean, they're like yeah. In the business world, we call that a merger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a hostile takeover. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's kind of interesting because uh, uh, on that on that particular set of points, uh, there was probably a good amount of uh, specifically Nazi scientists that were they know they're like we know how smart we are, mm-hmm. we know the things that we can do, we know the things that we know how to do, and if if really they're all we have to do is convince them that we'll do them for them for a time, and then we're in there like like right. that's it like that's all we have to do is yep we just got to do this for someone else we weren't really doing it for us anyways we're kind of doing it more for the ability to be able to do it so if we got to do it for someone else okay uh, there are definitely quite a number of sycophants I think in the Nazi regime but oh what, for sure what's interesting though is that human like we as people and as societies don't necessarily change that much is the technologies that do just want to slow down we are an anti-nazi podcast i just want that out there (laughs) oh my god is it like is like when everyone like every news uh, organization or every time anyone starts talking about um vaccinations they're like i'm not anti-vaccine i've had my vaccine (laughs) now that that's out of the way let me shit on the vaccine all the usual caveats all the usual we are not nazi fans can you imagine if every time you talk to someone and uh in the in race came up they're like i'm not a racist i'm black like like that would get so old so fast oh yeah like yeah i will never say that again by the way but i just want you know figure first episode we could we could talk about how we don't we're not big hitler fans i want to make sure you cut this one in there i fucking love 
Nazis. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> That's just going to be the opening of the podcast. Uh, Some of our uh, podcast, I fucking love Nazis. <laughs> we we so, love Nazis. I'm taking it all down. The welcome show. to Pine Pirate Radio, uh, official podcast of Stormfront. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and, uh, and, if, and for those of us uh, on the other side of the uh, pond over there, the German version of this podcast will release on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> it's called Nine Pirates. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Oh, I think I think it's interesting though that like societies haven't haven't pushed forward um, as much. It's more the the tools that have changed, and so like the highway system was just an analog way for us to to transfer things a little faster. Like the military, the military started doing that before with radios. Like they they just did it with words because there wasn't much else they could do it with or signals. You know, like Morse code. And then the telephone system comes in, mm-hmm. and then vehicles start to improve more. So they're now they're like, okay, we can transfer. Um, uh, more information and things faster through with the use of vehicles. Well, the problem is with vehicles is vehicles needs paths to travel because they can't fly. And so whatever. So they we're developing that. And, and what's interesting is that that kind of naturally transitioned to that thing I brought up earlier about the, the sort of the, the social ownership hypothesis and that. Yeah. So why don't you flesh that out a little just, bit? Well, well, I think it's fleshed out in the narrative, but really what it is, is that, is that the, the, the social, instead of going to a, a bar, the laundromat, uh, the coffee shop, like where where everyone used to go to socialize, the store or whatever. Now you, you, the goal is you take that away, but it's still evolved into us to crave and desire socialization and, some, and need in some cases. Right. You won't die if you go live out in the woods, assuming you can get water and food and air. But I mean, it, but you're gonna die on the inside. Your humanity will lose, will go away. I mean, like so we do know, like so for instance, like a baby. Like, if you have a newborn baby and you don't touch it, it will die. It will die. It, it, mm-hmm. just, it just will. It, it'll have basically failure to thrive. It'll wither away. It'll die. I mean, if you give it well, food or whatever. There's a lot of things you could not do for a baby and it'll die. Well, I understand <laughs> that. But if you, if you give it food and water, and, but you, you, you basically don't touch it mm-hmm. in any way, have, show it no form of affection, it will go away. It mm-hmm. will yeah. yeah, and so I guess what I'm getting at is that, like, if you're uh, physically, assuming you're not an infant or a child, assuming you're an adult, you're, you're not going to die without socialization, physically. I think, so for instance, there's a reason why, like, um, isolation in, uh, like, solitary confinement in prison is so damaging. Mm-hmm. So you, I guarantee you that people who are in solitary confinement die earlier. They may not die instantly. Solitary confinement isn't just a lack of socialization, though. It's it's a lack of everything, and that's why I guess where I would distinguish it because because that is you and sensory go, input too. Yeah, you right? go yeah. you go into a hole and you get nothing, no fresh air, no. Yeah. Like you're you're just given what you need to to keep your heart beating. So I I think I see what you're coming from, Cash. Where there are people who are like mountaineers or just you know Eskimos within very small tribes who. Even if they're alone for an extended period of time, they're out in the wilderness, they're hunting, they have purpose in their life, so they're not going to get depressed that way. But it's, it's when it's when you have, especially when you're up until like I think eight years old is when the human is still learning its programming for social social programming. So I think after that, maybe it's a little bit different of a story, but I think before then you definitely do need a social knit network of family or something or people who i think you need it i need think you need your whole life and that's my point is that we we people know that like like i think that like i said i don't think you'll physically die without socialization um and and maybe we could argue on that but more what i'm getting at is that human that humans 
have evolved to be social one of if not the most social animals on the planet and that isn't that's an evolution over a very long period of time that's not going to just go away because the, the the tools change so what happened where cities come about like people find other ways to socialize they'd go to different places or they would find ways to do it on the street or whatever like like humans look to socialization especially in times of discomfort because it's a way to find comfort without it right now what's really scary is that you know we've sort of started to bridge this socialization um, it, it used to be like uh, social media was kind of something you would do when you were done with the day and and you know like I remember when social, when myspace first came out only like the only like the like the the people who were already big into socialization in the real world were doing myspace like I couldn't get yeah. crap about myspace yeah. when I was like first coming up That's so true. I was a pretty I hated social kid media. Yeah, yeah me too oh and keep in mind too we didn't have uh, computers in our pockets then that's true. That's yeah, true. well, well, so I think Christ, it's... Sta- I, I don't think I got my first smartphone until I was, what, 22? Something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was until 21 for me. Yeah, well, that that's a big change, too. I get into that, like, access... The access to it is a big insidious part of it. But I think more in general is, is like, the, the notion of when they were first there, it was, like, a supplemental socialization. You would go socialize in the real world, and then you would also socialize online. What's interesting is that... Because um, I brought it up when I, when I was talking with my parents over the holidays about... Um, like I remember when like Second Life came out and they, mm-hmm. they hadn't heard of it, so I kind of explained what Second Life was. I was like, Second Life was kind of like World of Warcraft, but without any of the art or the fantasy. It was just you just had a job or did whatever you wanted in a digital online realm with other people. Whereas like in World of Warcraft, you you role played as with with an artistic overlay right. to the social interaction. Yeah, um, and, and maybe uh, more of a gamey feel to it with like you know questing or exploration. Where a second life is more, you just kind of got to do the things you didn't get to do in the real world, and that. But but even still, at that point, and this is kind of someone like me, I played WoW like like when I first got into it when I was like 14, 15 years old. I would play it like if I wasn't at school, WoW was like what I did, unless I was physically doing something else for a long for a long time. And so, but it still to me was it wasn't the replacement for the real world; it was the supplement. Like it was still what I wanted to do, but I didn't actually tie my existence to the to that socialization yeah and what i don't know you were a lot weirder back then though well definitely no admittedly you were were definitely admittedly a lot weirder but um i think i think in and you could even ask them especially at the time i would still rather hang out with my friends if i was given the opportunity yeah absolutely than be playing world of warcraft And, and that was true every time i got to go hang out with my friends like that was what i did like i would that would still be the preference and, and I know that's not true for everybody, but more what I'm getting at is I think the general tone of social medias are, especially with a lot of the studies coming out about like people spend like five or six hours a day on their smartphone. Mm-hmm. And it's not, I understand it's not all social media, but that is definitely a big chunk of it. But the, the, what's, what's really going to suck is when the shift, when the, when the whole thing flips over and now people, not just, not just people who are into social media, but everyone prefers to socialize on social media or some other digital socialization platform and, and doesn't that. want to go outside. And COVID was a big yeah. way to get people who weren't. There's a lot of people like you're still seeing the resistance now. A lot of people are like, I just want to go to the bar or I just want to go outside and walk. I just want to run. I want to go to the dog park. Like there's still a lot of people that that's what they want to do. Yeah. They haven't like beat the resistance out of us yet. Yeah. Well, that's why Mm -hmm. like lockdown policies are so evil. Honestly. I mean, Mm -hmm. first of all, they're ineffective clearly. I mean, we're still in a pandemic people. I mean, like, come on. No. And and to give some personal uh, allegory, I remember during 
some of the parts of the pandemic. Uh, I mean, it's not like I couldn't see my family, but I would just go to friggin' Subway a couple miles down the road just, just to, to see some, someone, see yeah. someone get some fucking human interaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's and that's what I mean. Like, it's the what what COVID did was it it took at least some of them. Some of those, I guess, if you're if you're sort of our age or younger, you call them boomers. You, they took some of those boomers and pushed them because, like, well, now you can't go to your bar because guess what? They close at seven, or uh, you can't go out because we've decided that it's too dangerous for you to eat in a restaurant. Like they they've taken those those social those traditional socialization options away, and and as it applies to like my business, my work that I do is that's interesting to me is a a big complaint I hear with a lot of the older folks is the that these young kids it's not necessarily the work ethic i've argued with them a lot i'm like i think you'd be surprised young people work hard they just have a different perspective of work-life balance but what they do all say is like they don't know how to connect with people and like actually socialize with with like people on and, and put them first over just like what they're interested in and i'm like i think i can understand that to a certain point of view but also because like we didn't grow up like uh with the same like like types of socialization we didn't have to just go talk with people like uh i was of the generation though where my mom would like kick me outside and be like you have to go spend time outside so like i'm pretty socialized with the trees and like whatnot but like uh i think a lot of people that are very good businessmen like just what they especially old school businessmen they just socialize that's the thing they're good at yeah and that's what a lot of business development old school business development is and young people don't do that because we didn't we learned how to socialize a completely different way yeah, maybe that's what we all this generation really loves hiking so i mean you you're just saying that too i was like i was alone outside of the trees a lot and you know I, it kind of feels like home most of the time yeah, well, I think, like, I mean, more to that point, I mean, I think, well, I, yeah, well, we were kind of on the cusp of, like, Gen X into Millennium. Well, yeah, we're also, like, sub-suburban, though, so yeah. there aren't, mm. real, there weren't, like, friends around we could just run over to. Right, like, my closest friend was seven miles away when I was young. But yeah, you could so. still ride your bike. I could. Yeah, 14-mile mm-hmm. round yeah. trip. Wonderful. Yeah. You did it. Well, like, I remember, like, uh, like my friend growing up, uh, it wasn't seven miles, but it was, uh, we had to literally, we had to go find a path through the woods it wasn't like a known path it wasn't like an already nice blazed trail we had to go make one and it took us like weeks to literally get find the path through the woods and not get lost so that way i could just go out the back door and then end up in his backyard oh cool and and but it was literally like nope it, like that's what you did and then once we got that down i could get to his house in like 20 minutes but it was like a, a run through the woods um and and that was like that was you know because i was rural rural like uh, like you guys were growing up so that was like a big part of it but can you imagine like if you're a kid growing up in a city or even more suburban area like like the what the thing you're going to get good at be- before the dawn of like the internet you're going to get good at talking with people learning what people want um that type of thing in in in, in what we call socialization like that's just kind of what you would get good at in that environment unless you are like especially in the area of, like the 60s like a really weird person like and they and they existed. They definitely oh, sure. existed, but it wasn't as a uh, the the tools weren't there to, to foster that. I don't think as much, and uh, and neither and the incentive wasn't either. But now in this era where you know things are tipping on that, like it's once once it gets to the point where parents prefer to socialize online, their kids will prefer to socialize online, and that will be the full like yeah. rotation. And like you were saying too, kids these days, you know, when they're in a group setting and in, in public in real life, they really only have to. They don't even have the urge to talk about things that they like or, you know, they 
it's less of a trying to connect and less of a hey do we share things in common because when they're on the online presence usually they're just around people who already like the things that they like and they can just talk about that it's easier for them they don't have to like come you know like even just for me you know trying to date people she's like okay well, it's always the same fucking questions over and over again you know like what do you do for work why do you like it you know you know is that always something that you wanted to do you know it's just it's harder for us in that regard because like you said our socialization was much different growing up i think i think too that there's a, a big aspect of it that we're so what the, this does like for our generation is we kind of a lot of people want to immediately start to um, identify what group or what like like what tribe, yeah. what team you're on. Yeah. And so like, that way kinda, they just know everything about you without even having to. Yeah. And, and so socialization used to be a big part of it. And at least in my opinion, from what I've looked at and, and talking with people, a big part of it was the ability to have a conversation amongst two people that disagreed without it turning to essentially blows. Yeah. And it can't, and that skill has certainly eroded. Let me tell you. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. Like you the, cannot even, I mean, and one of my passion, well, it used to be was talking politics. I love to talk politics and I was actually pretty good about being able to kind of tailor cause I'm, you know, I come at it from an outside perspective anyways. I was able to like tailor the conversation so that I could still have the conversation and have the person not want to kill me, you know? Yeah. You know, because so, they're, socialized. I, I tr- you know, <laughs> I tried to find, you know, areas of common ground, right? You can't even do that anymore. No. You literally cannot do – because if you say one thing that's even slightly off-color about anything, I mean, you're done. Yeah. Conversation's like, done. You're a Nazi or you're a liberal or whatever, and mm-hmm. you're done. Yeah. Like, backs MAGA nut. Yeah. yeah. You had a family party not too long ago, and you, you had a family member who was uh, uh, talking some crazy shit. I won't say what about, but I'm like – Flat Earth. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I'm just going to go over here now. Just because, like, I don't really want to deal with it. <laughs> well, and I, well, I engaged with him. Yeah. And I, and I think even in Flat Earthers, there's something to learn. First of all, even if it's, I don't think this this is even valid, that's, that's valuable. That's valuable to know. Which is why, like, I mean, I know we weren't talking about censorship, but that's why, like, censorship is, like, such a stupid thing. I agree. It's like people should be able to have all the information. Like, I don't need it, I don't need it, like, curated for me by, like, some, like, the, the person tr- on high. No thanks. I will make that determination for myself. And lo and behold, I made the right determination, clearly, you know? Like, but I mm-hmm. but I still watched the hour-long fucking Flat Earth thing that he sent me. It was terrible. It was the worst <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my fucking oh, yeah. life. My grandfather but, sends me some mad climate change stuff. <laughs> it's, like, it's unbelievable. But, like, I listened to him, and, you know... And we had some areas of common ground. Like, for instance, I find the narrative around the the moon landings to be a little suspicious. I mean, I'm not by no means an expert, but I think at least the concept that it may have been staged isn't impossible, right? Like, especially when you, like, take into account, like, the politics around the time. No, yeah, yeah, it's coming to a point where you can't even just question things anymore without getting a label put on you right it's, it's the it's the inability to separate the the perspective from the from the person and that's like that's what i mean like i think that's a big part of socialization that used to be you had to because if you were to if there were so one there's so few people and two it was more like the more like sort of the island community phenomena like like uh, when you're on an island if you just start pissing everyone off it's a it doesn't take very long for the whole island to hate you and guess what there's nowhere to go yeah. right whereas well, so like, like Oh, yeah, go ahead. Keep well, finishing. just to contrast that, like with what we have now, if you piss someone off on the internet, it doesn't matter. It's like, one, you don't know who I am because I just put up a fake username, and two, you're probably never going to see me again. So, yeah. Bye. So, I, I mean, 
uh, I know you, Cash, uh, we give you shit for it sometimes, but you like to play devil's advocate a lot. But there's not a lot of that anymore, especially with online discourse. No one likes to steel man the other person's argument to make sure that they're arguing the right thing with them. It's not devil's advocacy. It's it's literal. It's literal opposition, and that's what I was getting at. Like, like you don't uh, like it used socialization used to be the ability to to exist in the middle for both sides. Like you have your opinion, you try and put forth like like components of it that are that are tied to the conversation without as a separation from trying to just have getting at the person be the goal but now our discourse and almost everything is your goal is to get at the person to try and convince them or shame them that their that their perspective is incorrect which never works no no <laughs> but we have to talk about like this like fetishization of the middle position so like sure we'll do that and then i think we're uh we're at an hour now if we don't count the beginning stuff okay mm. um talk about the fetishization of like this middle position so like we can both agree basically bring up your stuff too after you're done just Mm -hmm. okay uh we can we can basically both we can both agree that like both ends of the conversation are controlled like so like i think it's kind of naive to think that there are ends to a perspective though right fair enough but like so so but like but in, in terms of like right and left they're both they're both basically controlled right so where's the value in the middle like if, from bridge, that perspective to bridge the gap hopefully but like, but like if so if both sides are controlled to the benefit of the people who, above so so the average of two controlled perspectives is still a controlled are you, perspective are you talking about the, are you talking about because uh, i think it might be conflating a message versus a perspective uh, no, I, i'm not i'm not attacking the concept of compromise what i'm saying is is that like so like this this idea that like the middle perspective mm-hmm. like in politics is like where it's at like somehow oh. like, that's where like reasonable people are well no i'm telling you that's no not, i think, that's I think there's true. reason on all sides i see what you're saying i i the way i look at it is that the in this, it's funny. I was talking to my parents about it. I was like, I, I don't know that it's that I necessarily strive for something like a, a what we would call a centrist position. I just think that the reality is that most people aren't sycophantic one way or the other. True. And yeah. so the center is just sort of where most people are. It's but almost, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. Like right. The, the place you go to pull ideas and things from both sides, maybe. Well, and you know, I I go out of my way to try to look at both sides. Like like literally, like my Twitter feed is like, you know, we I have like friggin' MAGA people, and I have like literal like anarcho primitivists, like in communists, and mm-hmm. and in fact, like I I interact the most with communists, and because right now they have the most interesting perspectives, but that could change, that could shift. I mean, yeah. Well, I think that uh, well, it's funny because. Uh, I don't know if this if this comes up to one of your topics, but I think you're, I think we're going to see a return to some kind of religion if it's an established one or a new one, and a big reason for that is uh, yeah, like like the our political system is going is pulling so far left and so far right that it's gonna there's gonna uh, it's just abandoning such a massive chunk of people, and now they can't believe in the progressive left because it's too extreme, and they can't believe in the right because it's too far conservative and extreme so what do i do now i need to build my morals and and, and values somewhere yeah so it's funny you mentioned that too because i remember now i think this is bef- the pre-trump there was a movement for atheism plus and it quickly got opted like, by the radical is that like disney plus what does that mean 
It was atheism. Like was, Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> it was a subscription-based atheism yeah. service. Subscription-based atheism. Yeah. <laughs> no, so uh, founded by Richard Dawkins. Yeah, it was it was atheism plus. So they were going on the tenets of what atheism stands for right now, like plus science, plus uh, LGBTQ two, LGBTQ. Just throw a number Q. in there. <laughs> yeah, I just, is that next? God I, damn it! I rarely say the alphabet is that, acronym. Is so that for much. two spirited uh, individuals? Yeah, no, that's for non non binary. So it should be no so, two. Yeah, and so they were trying to psyop atheism essentially into what it basically happened into. Now, I I, I, I mean, I don't think that. I mean, I I hate to bring it up again, but just as an allegory, like I'm on dating apps a lot, and every single time I see a person, a girl who has liberal or very liberal as their political beliefs yeah very very rarely do i not see atheism as their religion yeah. or spirituality mm-hmm. of choice yeah it's uh well that was always my uh, my criticism of atheism like especially like the new atheism like you like richard dawkins and people yeah. like that well, it was, like i read yeah. that i read his book i can't remember the title right now but it was like his like his basically like magnum opus on you know on atheism like he's like proposing atheism you know as an alternative and you know when i was like 14 like i was like rad this is cool <laughs> right oh man ooh. you know because fuck jesus freaks right like oh yeah because and yeah, you know but like that. but i read the damn thing and i'm like okay well this isn't this isn't an alternative to religion this is a religion absolutely and yeah. i i came to that conclusion when i was 14 years old i was the, like this is a, this is the, the same thing, thing the thing about science as a religion which is just how I'm going to start referring to it is that the the morals of it are 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 uh, fluid, I guess to say. Whereas generally, at least with a with an established religion, the morals have been even if even if they're not right, they they're kind of set. Like they're yeah. all written down. Gen- right. Intergenerational concreti- and concretization. Hmm. And they're usually not up for negotiation. Like there may be some sort of at least not like, publicly. Right. Because right. they they all dodge. The, they all use it as a justification to do other things under the guise of, oh, of yeah, a moral of framework. Oh yeah, oh, which yeah. is which is what I said to my my parents. What I was talking about, I was like, I don't have a problem with religion. In fact, I think I can respect a lot of it. Um, it's when it turns uh, when it turns a, a manipulative that I have a problem with it. But how do you how do you even know when your scientific morals, if that's what you're like basing your stuff on, how do you how do you know when that's right? If science is is an evolving thing that one thing you believe well, that's awful convenient to a power structure right you know when you can just justify whatever the fuck you want science like science says that it's okay to discriminate against unvaccinated people because they're filthy plebeians who it's, deserve it it's okay because science says yeah, quoting the great warrior, james corbett yeah warrior, warrior scientists like yeah. I, th- I think i can't remember who said it for some reason in my head richard wolf is is the guy that i think i heard that term first but uh uh, but I think it's interesting that we're, and, and I could be wrong, but I think it's really interesting that that's where we're at, right? Like they are becoming the new prophets. They are the new priest uh, class. Yeah, the the new priest class. I mean, and, I know we've we've discussed like the Fauci. There's like that whole cult of Fauci. Fauci starts doing a weekly podcast on Zoom. Burn on it, Spotify, burn it down, guaranteed. burn it down. Hit right next to Obama. On, well, <laughs> well, Obama like, has one at too. At least, but. at least with Obama, like he's still just a political figurehead, and he has mm-hmm. to kind of just talk politics kind of he gets talk whatever whatever he wants he's still a person but like like anthony fauci is he well <laughs> anthony fauci is he a wizard man is where, i'm pretty is where sure I'm now. like anthony fauci and and like people like anthony fauci people like elon musk and people like mark zuckerberg they're 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 i'd argue 
like they're not really people anymore and i don't mean from like ascension i mean from the idea that people don't people look at them as um they're like demigods yeah the people the, the perception of especially them especially elon musk and once they start sniffing their own farts to the point where they actually start trying to leverage that perspective or not perspective that following into an action like i think they already are they're just doing it through the guise of cnn if you're if you're fauci it's cnn msnbc the new york times or like, like you're k- kicking trump off twitter but what about uh just saying you're going to sell some stock and some cryptocurrency and then it fucking tanking mm-hmm. you're not or, gonna get kicked off to twitter for that or saying you're gonna for, sell 10% overt your... market manipulation I'm not saying you should be but i'm just like yeah. what the well not so to mention his neural link what a fucking i, won't, I, won't, I don't know what topics you want to bring up so i'll try not to dive into the next thing but oh um well we were talking about trump mm-hmm. we can talk about his interview with candace owens oh yeah how'd that go uh not so hot from my perspective, but uh, the mainstream media loved it. Like, uh, Jen Psaki literally. Oh, so they was, like him now. Oh, oh, now Trump's like the greatest thing in the world because he's, you know, he's towing the line. Is that the. Uh, so, so let me let me explain yeah, what it was. Give me some background. So uh, Donald Trump went on to Candace Owens um, podcast slash show that's, be, that's hosted on The Daily Wire and gave her an hour long interview in which he defended the vaccines which fine whatever i mean you can see that like you know the man you know uh, you know he he pretty much was the the driving force behind operation warp speed blah 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 we can talk about that if that's really true but at least like from a public perception that that was true he's the one that brought it to the table at least the the name and all that right and um well you know and he's really standing behind them like in terms of and but that's really you know, it's a little problematic, at least for him, because it goes against what his base believes, and it certainly goes against what Candace Owen believes. And I'm not a huge Candace Owen fan. I'm not. Like, I, I find, like, um, some of her perspectives, especially around, like, the George Floyd, um, this idea that, like, he just deserved to die because he was a criminal, like, is just yeah. absurd and like it's racist i mean it's kind of hard to say that because she's a black lady which is why she gets away with so yeah. much yeah, but it, it is disgusting like she's a woman of color sorry i called her a black lady they're gonna fucking shoot me she's but, a pock she's a pock <laughs> yeah but like but it's just it's it's crazy to me that like that I wonder if pox is going to be a, a, a term of slur in the future. We can't say, redact that. You can't Probably. say turf anymore. <laughs> BT dubs. Tur- turf? Uh, trans exclusionary radical feminist. Yeah, I thought that was like a. That's, yeah, no, you, you can't, can't say, say that. that at no, all. No. I oh, see. So yeah, I thought that was something. That was You're something that against... the trans people say against them. Yeah, I know. But, but you can't. But, the, but they've what? used their own identity politics against them by saying, <laughs> you can't label me like that. I look. I Ooh. I don't necessarily exclude all trans people, and it's become a. You, you can't label me like that. I'm just yeah. a. Fe, I'm just a feminist. Well, it's feminist. a good day for J.K. Yeah, Rowling. The, sna- the snake yeah. eating its tail. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, uh, well, so I was wondering. It, it must not have been the Candace Owens one, but I did. Uh, I was seeing a bunch of um of uh, very uh, democratic leaning media outlets headlines talking about um Trump saying he got vaccinated, but it, I don't think it was he Candace got the Owens. booster. Yeah. yeah. Who, who was it? Does it doc? doc uh, uh, he was doing an interview with someone. Uh, was it uh, Sanjay Gupta? No, no, he was on. He was on talk show. I want to say like it was like Doctor Oz, but it wasn't Doctor Oz. Um, okay. But anyways, but yeah, he said, uh, "Did you get vaccinated?" And Donald Trump was like, "Or did you get the booster?" And Donald Trump like, like started to kind of think about it, and then go, "Yep." And 
and, and like that was it. Well, and, and there was like booze from the audience, and he was right. like, "Hey, don't you know? Don't you boo me or whatever?" But but it seems like it was some something's happened, and now Donald Trump has gone. Well, I think what's he wants to get back on Twitter. I I think that's part of it. Honestly, I do. I think he sees that as as his way back into the establishment, which kind of goes against like so. The whole premise of his 2016 campaign is he's he's this radical outsider that's coming into you know to to challenge the establishment when he was never that. Mm -hmm. He was part of the establishment from the very beginning. I mean, I can go ad nauseum into why that's the case. Well, if that's the case, then then that would be an admission that his his attempt at a social media must not be going great if he's trying to get back on Twitter. Clearly not. Well, the thing is the thing about Trump is that he could have just like gone on Parler or like Gab, like an already established service, and probably if he had just made the switch like immediately after he got after he had gotten kicked off, kicked off Twitter, he probably would have he probably could have been the kingmaker and been yeah. like Gab's the new Pulled platform, like at least for conservatives, right? Like he could have done that. He but he chose not to. He chose to try to like create his own. Or if you're that good of a of a businessman, why not just go buy one? Like right. he couldn't. But he's yeah. really not that great of. a I know, but man. my point being, well, that's a big part of his like his like character, right? Got is, a, the Trump stakes or whatever. Trump, like yeah, Trump University. Yeah, Trump oh, yeah. University. Oh it's like I forgot about the Trump stakes. But every everything. <laughs> no, I biz, businessman is not what I'd give him. But it's it is part of his like persona. So you'd think that it would be like, oh, I'll just go, uh, I'll buy one, and then I'll, I mean, I'll run it. I mean, so basically, what he's. I mean, he has Trump Tower, right? Like, I mean. And, you know, and he has, I mean, extreme connections to, like, the Russian mafia, yeah. Italian mob figures, Rudy Giuliani, you know, who ha- who has exen- has uh, connections to the Italian mob. It's all those They're, casinos. I mean, casino money, that's a great, it's a great way to launder money. Yeah, people forgot he, about that. He bought Resorts International, which was a CIA mm-hmm. front from in the fucking Bahamas. Yeah, Mar-a-Lago. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, come on. The guy's as establishment as you can get. And, like, and all of the signs were there. And the the one thing he, my dad my dad even said it and I think it's, he wasn't Hillary Clinton though I'll give him that he wasn't Hillary yeah. Clinton. Well, I think it's indicative. My my dad. Well, was I mean, about oh sorry. Go ahead. I just want to say, yeah, oh yeah, his one saving grace was that he wasn't the other candidate on the ticket. Right. Where yeah. does that sound familiar? Well, However, yeah, just opposition. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's pretty much what we're in. That's like our that's our ruling paradigm right now in politics, is that well, at least it's not the other person. But, like, the, the hilarious thing about that is that our system isn't even good at giving us that option, right? Like, so if you look at Hillary – I mean, for God's sakes, he gave he donated money to Hillary Clinton before he was running for president. He was a Democrat she, before he ever – Oh, yeah. They're both buds. They've both flown Epstein's plane. They've, they've gone to events. They Like, yeah, they both – you know, they, they obviously have the Epstein connection. Honestly, they probably both. both have a reserved seat. Probably just has, like, Trump and Hillary right next to each other on the freaking plane. Yeah. <laughs> But like, let's talk about like how that, like, so so what are the implications of of the potential? Like, we all know that he might run in twenty twenty four. Do you think he just sank his chances? No. What do you think? What's happening here? I don't think it's, I don't think so at all because I don't think the reason I don't think the reason I think I think it's putting the cart before the horse because I think the thing that people forget about it's actually kind of funny because that's what I was going to talk about what I was going to bring up was that Donald Trump became popular. Uh, very much because of his ability to just run a crowd, and right. and his, his very much like Hitler his stand, in that yeah, way. His yes. stance didn't matter. Um, my dad, my dad was talking to me. He's like, oh, the one thing he was like, I, I didn't necessarily, 
He's like, I, you know, I wasn't that much of a Trump fan in the beginning, but if there's just one thing I missed, it was just the, it was just someone, the ability to talk to a crowd and know what people want to hear. And, and, oh, trust me, I gave my dad a lot of shit for that. Yeah for that can comment we just, but... can we just agree that he's funny though he's well, really well well so oh, so that's God, literally yeah. my point he he Hilarious. the people forget <laughs> because we've we've gone a year with a with a it's more perfect, traditional politician perfect gen x humor <laughs> <laughs> well well like you look at biden with the with the i don't know if this is on someone's thing but i'm gonna very briefly bring it up as an example the student loan thing mm. um and how he he campaigned on it and then he tried to renege on it and then the public went oh wait we haven't forgotten about this Right. So that so, was like your main platform. Well, at the very least, a big. A well, big, not not the main yeah. one. Obviously, COVID very, was, but like that was like a big justification well, for why like a lot of people our age voted for him. And also just not being Donald Trump, like we were talking about. But but uh, and then and then the public came out and was like, "Yep, we didn't we didn't forget." So are you going to do this thing? And he's like, "Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah, all right. You know, I can't because of Congress." And like, oh wait, wait a second. You can use the same executive authority Donald Trump used when he did it. So you can do it. You're just not doing it. Not to mention, he's not hesitating to use executive authority on literally anything well, else. Well, yeah. and so and so anyway. So the public support, the public pressure gets him to do it. Right. Right. What I think people have forgotten about, like I said, mainly by virtue. Do you want me to pause? So you can. I don't know. There you go. Uh, mainly by virtue of the fact that we've had a more uh, traditional politician president for a year, is uh, Donald Trump could literally say whatever he wanted, and it didn't matter. There, the 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 crowd would start to dig it, and he'd up, he'd start spinning it in all these different ways, and then he'd attack someone else's position on something, and then he'd and then he'd play more into emotion. And so, I don't think I don't think him taking a stance pro vaccine. Like, like the, the people that are making that comment forget that, like, it was Donald Trump's influence that started the anti, like, vaccine thing when he started it with the uh, no masking. Uh, I think people are putting the cart before the horse when they say that Donald Trump's stance on anything will hurt his own chances at anything. Right, just because he's just... He's like a monumental figure. Well, well, that and, and what will happen is, like I said, he'll just take the pro-vaccine thing. He'll turn it. They forgot that the reason they're anti, supposedly anti-vax is yeah. because of his stance on vaccines earlier. Right. And right. so and, and he did. He, he he like I don't necessarily give him entirety entirely the credit of like the mask division. But he was like, eh, I don't know about this whole mask thing, guys. So, and that started a lot of it. I yeah. get it. Well, I mean, so wasn't Fauci at the time. Mm -hmm. But like a little pushback so like steve bannon for instance mm -hmm. is like uh you know was seen as like the intellectual force behind the first trump campaign you know and he served in the trump administration for briefly and you know and he's come out very publicly you know against vaccines mm -hmm. you know like in, especially like against the covid narrative and things like that also alex jones mm -hmm. you know who was also seen as a trump as an extreme trump ally blah 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 he really got you know he was he really got people out in the streets for trump and uh, I was playing you guys that video, which we might play a clip, clip of, um, uh, where he, you know, very openly and publicly disparaged mm -hmm. Trump, basically said, you know, we're done, you know. Yeah. I, it, to me, it seems like, I mean, I, I think don't that's know. because I, I think it's because he didn't like protect him. Right. Like, like wasn't Alex Jones under a bunch of fire and Trump, still is. Yeah. And Trump could have could have like done a lot to help deflect put, put the umbrella up and Donald Trump him. didn't didn't yeah. and so I think that that's probably a, a big component of it well um, same thing with Steve Bannon Steve mm -hmm. Bannon's out, up in front of like the January 6th committee they've subpoenaed him blah 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 you know there's there's a lot going around there that I mean it's no coincidence that both of those men 
you know, it's basically taking a bullet for and, Trump. And same thing with but, Pence. But it, I mean, you want to talk, well, Pence didn't take a bullet for Trump. That's like, no, but no, but what I mean is that the fallout is there and that, that he, that uh, Pence, or he wanted Pence to help him out. I was just reading an article unquote, that Pence is contemplating a 2024 run. Are you fucking kidding me? I heard that too. Me? I was like, he's so boring. I was like, <laughs> holy that, shit. Yeah, well, it's, I was like, can you imagine? What do you even do? Sorry, I don't want to derail, but can you imagine just for a second in your mind's eye, a Pence Harris ticket? The most not boring, ticket a Pence oh Harris election. The most boring election that's ever that could yeah. ever be yeah, conceived. What, the what, what Dom are they, and the sub. What are the their United States president? Yeah, like what are their running mates going to be? Like a fucking. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't even imagine. Who? What? Who do? You, who do you think Kamala Harris picks as like a running mate? Like a fucking stick of celery? Like because she's got to look better than something. Buttigieg. Yeah, but she would do right. Buttigieg. Yeah, I know. Peter? But I guess more what I mean is like they're 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 the two of them are both are, are essentially the do nothing vices and yeah i think that uh at the very least people will remember pence's name but they're not just due to his connection with trump i don't think well, i think they'll remember people... pence because of his central role in january 6 where where he i mean he could have supposedly you know, yeah supposedly he could have but i don't even know like like we're and not, not to derail again but covid is like proven a lot of things like our a lot of our laws especially in our politics that people just assumed like no, those things were never actually like fully like written down and agreed upon. Like so many rules are changing now well, in I politics. Mean, They're like, oh, we got we vote on the new rules of these positions all the time. Well, laws, I mean, just serve the ruling class, like in a lot of cases, oh, yeah. right? Like so, like I was I was reading, I forget who said it, but like when you have a when you have a judicial system that like relies on like like you know access, like in terms of like how much money you have. So, like, so for a rich person, laws, every law is negotiable because he can just hire a team of lawyers and, you know, and that argue on his behalf and that can interface with the court. Mm -hmm. For a rich person, I mean, for a poor person, that, that reality is a much starker thing. So, but you're seeing that, like, you know, as soon, I mean, but it's always been that way. Like, you, you know, you have laws or executive orders or whatever, and as soon as they become inconvenient, they just don't get applied. They're just like, eh, you know. Mm -hmm. No, I think I think you're right. I just I I think that there really isn't much that Trump can't um, politically talk his way out of. And if you don't think that they can't replace Alex Jones as a media hype for him, and they can't replace uh, Pence as a vice president for him when he goes to run in 2024, they'll well, pick someone else. They'll get if if DeSantis doesn't run on his own. Like, do you think it'll be Trump DeSantis? I don't know. I I, I think I, I think the rules DeSantis are different. DeSantis is much more of a neocon. You know, I mean, for God's sakes, he was like he served in Guantanamo Bay as like an interrogator in Guantanamo Bay. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, don't 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 believe the hype on DeSantis. Well, that yeah. that unless unless uh, unless they're gonna try and pull some uh, I, I don't know, like they could go even more like like it could be like a Trump Abbott ticket. Like Abbott out of Texas, that might be more promising. And do you know what would be really based was is if like Trump didn't run at all and like Rand Paul ran. <laughs> Rand, Rand. <laughs> well, I think I think that I think the thing with Rand Paul is um, I just want to see him just be like fuck you, Fauci. Like I want to see oh. him fire Fauci. I that do. would be the best thing. I I, I, yeah. I I think before you see that, you'd see him assassinated. Unfortunately, yeah, absolutely. I, Absolutely. I, I do think it's interesting though that uh, I that I guess that's more what I mean is that I don't think I don't think Trump's even if it were a full on yes I because he hasn't he's still he's still at least from what I understand is of the opinion that like I got vaccinated I think people should get vaccinated the vaccines are good the vaccines are great I got to remember how to talk like Trump because it's been too long since I've heard him talk 
But like, you know, Jeez. vaccines are good, amazing. They're the best vaccines anyone's ever seen ever in the world. But I still think it should be your choice to get it. Yeah, people have to have their freedom. Mm-hmm. Direct quote. And that's all he has to say, and it won't matter because then he could talk his way out of it. We'll see. I think you're going to see a little bit of Trump deflation. I think even if I think he he could have done a lot of things differently. Mm-hmm. I think if he had come out strong, and not like if, I said, not in the midterms. And well, we'll see because yeah. I think there's going to I think. The Republicans will take the midterms. I really do. Yeah, he, and like you said at one point, he can just hype them up, and that'll be a great swelling to do the red time. I mean, people really hate Joe Biden, but I don't. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, I think don't... think about the wedge issues that they have right now. The the big, abortion. Abortion is really the is the one that if I'm looking at the conservative the conservative party, that's the one where I'm like, yeah, I really disagree with their notion on on abortion. Um, well, the, let's, the discuss, conservative. let's discuss that. What do you mean? Well, let me let me at least go over the other ones real quick because I think that that's important. So abortion is abortion is abortion and voting rights are the negative criticisms of the conservatives from the right or from the left right now. Uh, two of the big ones, I would say there are obviously others, but like voting rights and abortion. But on the on the, the criticisms of the right to the left, you have, um, well, uh, fascism, <laughs> but like uh, the like vaccine mandates. Um, you have education, which mm-hmm. is like the left's big thing that they're failing on. CRT. Yeah, critical race theory, but also just like education in general, like um, distribution of the wealth, taxing the rich. They're also not doing um, social spending programs. They're not doing them like like the, all of the things that people needed that they run on. And certain places are outright calling parents terrorist risks yeah. for speaking against school boards. Well, not also- certain places, the federal government. Oh, is doing that. Oh, that was okay. the FBI. The progressive yeah, left right. are the purporters of censorship. Like, like th- that's what I mean. Like, like, okay, the conservatives have some iffy stances on abortion, and yeah, I think they're definitely doing some up to some gerrymandering and voting rights shit. Like, I think it should be easy for everyone to vote. It's possible, but they're but the, what 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 are the other big issues that they're fucking up? Like, I don't know. Compared to what the progressive left is doing, there there's like a myriad of them that yeah. I think most people are like. Yeah, like you guys were supposed to be good on education. You're not doing that. You're supposed to be good on uh, wealth distribution. You're not doing that. You're supposed to be good on right. uh, like uh, all well, these things. Well, and, you're seeing the populist right take over. I mm-hmm. think in like a lot of, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, so like you know when I I was very much like a Daily Show liberal growing up. Like you know, yeah. And that was because I saw how obvious like the war on terror was a lie. Like it was just mm-hmm. so obvious, like transparent that it was a lie. And so, like, a lot of that resonated with me growing up. And then, but now, like, I see a lot of those same talking points that were, like, enunciated by, like, John Stewart and Stephen Colbert and that kind of ilk in, like, the right. Like, you know, like, you know, people who support Trump, people, you know. And it's like. So that that's what I mean, like, in. So yeah. I just think like I I think like a lot of people are just gonna naturally migrate in that direction like I mean and then after a while it's like does it even is left right even the direction that's important to be focusing on is it more about is it more about authoritarian the party up down yeah yeah hmm. that's the booty judge forward thing yeah for oh there's that uh, not, isn't that Yang uh, yeah not yeah. booty judge Yang yeah but thank you Yang can kiss my taint <laughs> no uh, we're not talking about the Z axis here Yang we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about why him and his oh fucking well well so that's another one technocracy and then love and it. then so that I don't know if you want to bring up your uh, whatever topics you want to talk about but the uh, the uh, like the Daily Show type of, of of media like I think that a lot of it same thing with like um 
not all of Saturday Night Live. Saturday Night Live, like SNL, had a lot of politics in it too. But there was definitely a period where it felt as though just people, just comedians, people kind of doing like what we're doing, but a lot better at the funny part of it. Mm-hmm. Like just normal people looking at the ridiculousness of the message contrasted against yeah. what's God, actually happening. God bless and, Norm Macdonald's heart. Yeah. Well, yeah, and then turning it into <laughs> entertainment. Saint but, Norm. Yeah. <laughs> but once it started getting traction with all of us younger folks, they're like. They, okay, well, now we got to get writers in there because we have to take a clear stance and spin every message a certain direction. Yeah. And that was where the, the downfall of, of The Daily Show, like it just in particular, but like The Colbert Report, like really, really spread to me. And I think it's evidenced by the fact that Jon Stewart only just now came back and he only sold his soul to the devil a little bit. But like mm. Stephen Colbert, in comparison to Stephen he Colbert, he literally had an episode called "The Problem with Freedom." His show was called "The Problem with," and so he picks all sorts of different things. Yeah, the but, problem with freedom. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's he also that's does the... like, he does like the problem with guns or whatever gun rights or something like that. Like his uh, show is called "The Problem with." Yeah, but but I got a problem with John Stewart. Contrast that to Stephen Colbert. Yeah, you're right. And that you're right. and yeah. and and, and so one Stephen Colbert transitioned directly from his show to where he is now, which is literally just a mouthpiece for the progressive left. John Stewart at least retired for a little bit. Did, tried to do some actual good. He he was uh, yeah, lobbying the, at the White 9/11. House. Yep, lobbying at the White House uh, down in D.C. trying to actually do something for the first responders. Yeah. Yep, first responders, and then and then comes back and and does his show. Like I said, I I have some opinions just like you know, on his. I mean, he has some sus connections too. I mean, like he yeah. was like close with Anthony Weiner, uh, like they were literally roommates. I, I, I mean, like how close we talking? I mean, it's. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's some videos. Weiner did some pics, anyways. <laughs> yeah, some pics. Uh, depends how big you think Anthony Weiner is. Um, so, the, well, uh, we 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 can find that out. That the true. images are out there. Well, that doesn't account for growth, and maybe it's cold. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we don't get into the temperature of the room. Uh, but it, so I, I don't know. I think that that's kind of the thing that I uh, to to cap that off. Uh, I think that they discovered that it was really popular with a certain di- group of people that were going to be influential in elections, and so they went, okay, we need to start capitalizing on this group, spinning every message in a certain way through the guise of comedy and then just like they a lot of people do now sometimes i agree with them, sometimes I don't. they're like ah we're just a comedy show don't take anything i say seriously except that it has an explicit political message yeah, yeah and they yeah. right and they also know that people are going to take it seriously right. and it, I, I mean i use the daily show as news like oh back yeah. in the day yeah i used to yeah. yeah yeah it was at the very least it was a it was a, i mean i was 14 i mean I, yeah. you know, my, it was a, it was my the, information intake has, it was uh, a guide on the dartboard, but you could at least like, like it was just like, it would send you in a direction and you'd have enough knowledge to be, to have an opinion on it. Right. But not necessarily, um, as, as serious of a like political opinion as like a political pundit, but, uh, but nowadays they don't even arm you with that much knowledge. No. They only argue. They only arm you with the mount, the talking point they want you to go oh, yeah, after. They give you the talking point, and that's it. Yeah, like yeah. like this is a like this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. <clears throat> like that's it. That's all they want you to know. And end of end of story. And then when that same pundit is like, you know, maybe uh, the the manufacturer of this vaccine ceo uh pushing the vaccine is a conflict of interest uh or maybe, and then he gets lambasted for it yeah, yeah seriously or maybe uh or maybe or maybe the ceo of biontech saying that three doses of the vaccine doesn't stop omicron 
<laughs> it's like maybe we shouldn't be taking the word of the company that is directly going to have the most financial benefit, benefit that, that from used, this. That like used maybe, to be – conflict of interest like, used to be – Is this crazy? Like I don't think this is crazy. It used to be a thing. People used to understand like a con- – like like the, the notion of a conflict of interest was not something you would want to put – or you'd want to have the producer of anything – be in like that's why there's a lot of problems with, like vertical integration like like these companies owning so much of the chains now we're okay with that if you're a pharmaceutical company producing a pharmaceutical <laughs> treatment in a in a pandemic which which is where like i diverge a little bit from some of the more what would be considered libertarian perspectives of like we should have just deregulated all all pharmaceuticals in a pandemic and just let everyone produce whatever they wanted and then let the market figure it out I don't know if I agree with that stance, but I also don't agree with the well, stance that. I mean, you that... should have research guidance, right? Like that's that's like right. like that that you know, if they had done that, like the, I'm not saying they should have just like <laughs> they should have just been like here, have all the pills and blah blah blah. What I'm saying is is that they should there there should have been less restraints on researchers, you know, and there should there should have been like like very much like what Peter McCullough was saying. There should have been like very, like real time on the boots on the ground information coming in from various clinical trials you know and you know and just seeing what worked and what didn't i mean and that's not what happened like pretty much from the beginning they were saying that no you know mrna vaccines are going to be the the thing that ends this and let pfizer and moderna submit the safety data and and we'll review their safety data and yeah and then we'll determine whether or not it's good based off of that after that the vaccine's out for a while though right but and now we live in a world. Seventy-five years later, actually, yeah. And now we live in a world where you know, like in the UK, in September, seventy percent of deaths were fully vaccinated. Sixty-three percent of deaths in Israel were fully vaccinated. That's well, an issue. Well, that's a real. That's a real issue. But, but the data they submitted showed that it was an eight hundred percent less likely for someone that was vaccinated to catch COVID. Back when there were twenty million, twenty-five, two hundred fifty million unvaccinated people. And a hundred thousand vaccinated people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No shit. Like that's kind of how numbers work. But yeah, over time, people are like, yeah, but there's a reason why these types of things typically take years to research. You can't just just because you can develop it in six months and right. we can Doesn't prove mean it that in it's a six worthy weeks. Product. You know, Trump is saying, you know, it could have taken five to twelve years, but we did it in six months. Like that's a brag. Well, that's yeah. what it's I was not saying. a brag. We skipped all the safety protocols <laughs> and it works. Well, that's what I was saying in our car ride. Like, like remember there was a time where just every, everyone understands government's not efficient, and then all of a sudden for this one really important oh, thing, they yeah. tell us they did it in ten percent of the time well, it normally takes. Why? <laughs> Why didn't that just send up so many red flags? So in 2019, in the lead up to this, to, into the pandemic, of course, we didn't know that that was happening at the time. There were like, so like, there were things, I mean, it was very much well known of regulatory capture. Like, so this idea that like the FDA and the CDC and other and other agencies well, well were known ex- to relatively well well known to people well this is like this is like being discussed in like the new york times and things like well known in the intelligentsia right Mm -hmm. like so that that people knew this right um and not only that there was there was starting to be this coverage on the 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 reproducibility crisis in science Mm -hmm. so this idea like so like so researchers were going back and like and redoing experiments that that had been you know foundational experiments that had been done in like you know, a lot of pharmacological trials. I mean, they had done it in psychology trials, and they were finding that a lot of this published literature could not be replicated, mm-hmm. which means that it was, you know, it was erroneous. Yeah. This is, you know, so a lot of like the the knowledge that we supposedly have is basically 
farm it's like pharmaceutical propaganda and you know and you know these these drugs were passed because there was a financial incentive you know and you know and we knew this this isn't controversial this is but it is now but it wasn't even 2 years ago this when you made this assertion you could find like you can find like conversations on like C-SPAN like book TV you know you know like you know, on NPR, I remember listening to a lecture from like the Commonwealth Club about like fucking regulatory capture. That would they would never cover that now because God forbid we even question Pfizer. Yeah. Well, so like physics has been the you know the research of the foundation of the universe, and that's been undergoing changes all the time. Right, because that's how science works. Who's why? Who made the decision that the pharmaceutical or the chem, the chemistry? science isn't the same what do you mean well chemistry is pharmaceutical that's true yeah. so it's, it's like all the same principles basically but physics is changing all the time our ideas of what the universe is is changing all the time why can't the idea of i mean like obviously there's some rudimentary chemical interactions that are s standard right but like when you're talking about the interaction with a human body uh you know that's still up in the air right well, well i think it's the i think it's the scale of it right so what's the yeah. I, i'm going to need some help because i can't remember the exact quote and i'll try not to stop to look it up but it was like it starts with first they came for the communists right like, so that's a very yeah but yeah. it's it, so but but my point being to like what you're saying like they've been they've been boiling frogs in in intelligentsia like you're saying with like regulatory capture like like and that's why that's why i kind of said at the beginning like well known was maybe well known to the people doing it and well known to the people that were interfacing with it but it didn't impact the general public well, so, well certainly, it did, but I mean, not directly. To be honest, I mean, to like the average person who like watches like I don't know reality television and like never even opens a newspaper. Yeah, none of this is well known. For God's sake, you're lucky yeah. if some people know who the vice president is. But I mean, but I mean, like when where it really kind of shocked uh, the system started to shock the system was when we were talking about like like just like people that have just been scientists, research scientists, or doctors for their entire careers, n never ever really pushing any sort of limits, just kind of doing their own practice professionally. We're starting to say like. Yeah, it's kind of weird that there is a there's a, a lab in the same place that studies this thing that this and it was like and they were just like shut down like immediately. That was John Stewart. John well, Stewart like started that conversation like in the mainstream. Well, so but what I mean to is give that, him some credit is that like that's when it started to like become a more public. Uh, more of a public thing like like the people that just always had the faith in the in the regulatory agencies that maybe maybe kind of knew that there's probably some shady shit going on but it was when their voices were cut off that they right. started going oh crap now we have to really do something and yeah. then but then by the time that progressed further and further now we're at the point where the the science not progressing fast enough is is actually what we're basing um, government regu not reg not just regulation but government law and applications on yeah and that's the problem and i guess that's a good thing to start winding down on f for the podcast and the reason why we're doing this is because we want to speak out before our voices are taken away exactly i mean and and i th and then i think the door is closing yeah uh maybe maybe sl it depends on how fast how fast depends on the day but it's it's closing well and a, li a little bit of of I don't want to say validation, but there there's a lot of people that like not to bring up the matrix again, but like they know something's not right. They maybe don't necessarily have the words. And I don't think our goal is to provide talking points, but more to just demonstrate like you're not crazy to think that something's not adding up. Yeah. Uh, like this things is some aren't adding sus up. shit. Yeah. Like you the, like the whole thing 
is there, just... there, and there's always been such shit. And we'll get into that too. Oh, but... believe me, we will crack into that. We'll get into some um, good old historical conspiracy mm-hmm. shit some, too. Some some legacy sus shit. But Next like... time, I think we're going to be talking about the JFK records just to, just Ooh, to say as a, as a teaser, as a uh, teaser, a little teaser. Oh yeah. I think that that's a, another piece of it that uh, uh, is important for people to just know. Like, yeah, there's some crazy stuff, um, and and some of it is crazy, but not as much of it as you'd think. Yeah. So uh, I, I wanted to do something uh, to to finalize our, our first episode. It's just to take a, a deep moment of silence for all the people who died on the deadliest attack in human history in the universe. On January sixth. Oh jeez. Put put your pants back on. Put your pants back on. (laughs) (laughs) All right, cool. So yeah, I guess that does it for our first one. I think so. Uh, Yeah. Other than. Thanks for listening. Yeah, this has been Pine Pirate Radio. Thank you. See you guys next time.